From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 27. The eternal God is thy refuge. The word refuge may be translated mansion or abiding place, which gives the thought that God is our abode, our home. There is a fullness and sweetness in the metaphor, for dear to our hearts is our home, although it be the humblest cottage or the scantiest garret. And dearer far is our blessed God, in whom we live and move and have our being. It is at home that we feel safe. We shut the world out and dwell in quiet security. So when we are with our God, we fear no evil. He is our shelter and retreat, our abiding refuge. At home we take our rest. It is there we find repose after the fatigue and toil of the day. And so our hearts find rest in God. When wearied with life's conflict, we turn to Him, and our soul dwells at ease. At home also, we let our hearts loose. We are not afraid of being misunderstood, nor of our words being misconstrued. So when we are with God, we can commune freely with Him, laying open all our hidden desires. For if the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, the secrets of them that fear him ought to be and must be with their Lord. Home, too, is the place of our truest and purest happiness, and it is in God that our hearts find their deepest delight. We have joy in him which far surpasses all other joy. It is also for home that we work and labor. The thought of it gives strength to bear the daily burden and quickens the fingers to perform the task. And in this sense we may also say that God is our home. Love to Him strengthens us. We think of Him in the person of His dear Son, and a glimpse of the suffering face of the Redeemer constrains us to labor in His cause. We feel that we must work, for we have brethren yet to be saved, and we have our Father's heart to make glad by bringing home His wandering sons. We would fill with holy mirth the sacred family among whom we dwell. Happy are those who have thus the God of Jacob for their refuge.
In the midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, 
Multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it. Currently on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Alan Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The present message is entitled, Seven Symbols of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented by various figures or manifestations, all of which teach us a particular truth about the Spirit's character and functions. The first symbol of the Spirit in the New Testament appears at Christ's baptism, where he appears in the form of a dove. This speaks to us of the purity of the Spirit. Then in John chapter 3, verse 8, the Savior likened the Holy Spirit to the wind, a declaration of the sovereignty of the Spirit in salvation. Following his resurrection, the Lord Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room. John 20, verse 22 says that he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the breath represents the Spirit's vitality, both in salvation and in service. And speaking of Christ's ministry, John the Baptist spoke of him as baptizing his people with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
The fire speaks of the Spirit's potency. Now to continue this message on the seven symbols of the Holy Spirit, here is Dr. Cairns. I tell you today, here is the sovereign Spirit of God working. How will we see people sealed? When God the Holy Ghost, as the mighty wind of God, blows where he lists. That's when you see true conversions, real regenerations. That's when you see true results. How will we see a city shaken? How will we see a nation moved? Not by organization. I said in prayer meeting on Wednesday night, and I think it's true. I was quoting a preacher I was speaking to just a a week or so ago. And they said that churches nowadays are so well organized that if the Holy Ghost were removed, they wouldn't even know the difference. I think there's a lot of truth in that. We're not going to move America by organization. We're not going to move America merely by the power of the dollar. We're not going to move America merely by putting more men in the field. All these things have their place. I'm not against them in their place. God knows we need them. But I tell you the only way that this nation can be moved is when the wind of God blows in all its fullness in all its sovereign power. I think it was R.A. Torrey who once said, Give me ten men filled with the Holy Ghost and I'll move the world. If that is a correct assessment, and who's to say it's not? It does put us in our proper place. And it lets you see the awful spiritual dearth that we're living in today. All for the wind of God, the sovereignty of the Spirit. Closely allied to the idea of the wind is the breath. The breath speaks of the vitality of the Spirit. John chapter 20 and verse 22 is a very significant statement. When he had said this, what had he said? As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Right? When he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Of course, the very word spirit has the basic meaning of breath. Back in Genesis, there's a very significant reference in chapter 2. And in verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Here's the breath of the Spirit. There's no life without the Spirit of God. Now let me say that's true first of all in salvation. Salvation is not something that is contained in any external acts that you do or are done to you. You can read the Bible and go to hell. You can say your prayers and go to hell. You can join the church and perish. You can be baptized and be made wetter but no better. 
I tell you, my friend, today without the Spirit of God, there's no life. That's true in salvation. That's why Jesus said, ye must be born again. I fear we have many people around the country today who are damned in their church membership because they have never been born again. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of life. If it's true of salvation, it's equally true of service. Without the Spirit, there's death. Remember what we read there in uh, Genesis 2 and 7. God formed Adam. Now, if you could have seen that body, it was a perfect body. I have no doubt that the first man was the most perfect specimen of manhood. His physical frame was the most perfectly formed frame that could possibly have been. For he came straight from the hand of God. And when God saw what he had done, he said it was good. But can you see him there? God formed him of the dust of the earth. And then he breathed into him. What would Adam have been without the breath that God breathed into him, making him truly to live? And what are churches today nicely formed? Oh, they have everything that would make them pleasing to the eye. But yet they are lacking the breath, the vitality of the Spirit of God. Oh, how we need the Holy Ghost to come in our midst. I was speaking to Reverend Ivan Foster and his wife when I was back home doing the video on the history of the free church. I was speaking to them about their Christian school. And I spoke at some length to them because they pioneered this movement in Ireland. They have a very wonderful school, not a terribly big school, about 50 pupils just, but one of the best schools I have ever had the privilege of going into. I was talking to them about the problems of Christian education. Mr. Foster then was given a, a brief to speak at the World Congress of Fundamentalists on the Christian education's internal problems. He was asked specifically to address the overlap of responsibility between the youth pastor and the school administrator. He said, I have a very easy answer for that one. Very easy answer. In the scriptures I find that there are uh, offices. He went down the offices. And one of them is pastor. I haven't yet found the youth pastor, so if he's causing the problem, simply fire him, because he's not even in the Bible anyway. Uh, that's what you call cutting the Gordian knot. Well, we talked about these problems. And it was his wife who said, Christian education in so many places has all the equipment, has all the buildings, has all the personnel 
with the proper degrees and the proper training. It's like Adam's perfectly formed body. true of many a school I want to tell you it's true of many a church God save us from trying to operate without the Holy Ghost we need the breath the vitality of God the fourth symbol of the Spirit is that of fire Surely the fire would speak of the potency of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to get into a little controversial area of a controversial area here. You may not know it simply by what I say, but uh, just in case you read something different, you'll know that I'm going against what many, especially dispensational writers, believe on this text. Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12. You'll find the same thing in Luke 3, 16 and 17. We read Matthew. Verse 11 of chapter 3. The words of John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into garner, into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There are those who want us to believe that the baptizing with the Holy Ghost is saving you, and baptizing you with fire is damning you and that there is a world of difference, obviously, between them. And to prove that, they say the next verse, verse 12, speaks of judgment. Well, obviously, verse 12 speaks of judgment. The work of the Holy Spirit is always a work of segregation and separation. The wheat from the chaff, and separating the one to life and the other to damnation. But I can't recall the Lord Jesus ever speaking of men being baptized by God to hell. Baptizing with the Holy Ghost and with fire seems to me to be the same mighty saving operation of God. It is a fire in all its saving and purifying fullness and power that delivers you from the other fire of the wrath of God in hell forever. This is the operation of the Spirit. And it came to pass, of course, in Acts chapter 2, when the tongues were like as of fire. That seems to me to settle what the Lord Jesus was speaking about when he said you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. When the Holy Spirit came upon his people, he came upon them like tongues of fire. Now let me say to you, I've been saying we need the wind of the Spirit. We need the breath of the Spirit. Yes, I like the old-fashioned praying. I think of the early Methodists and how they prayed. Now you'll know that in many points of theology I'm not a Methodist. But I want to tell you I'd rather be a Methodist on fire for God 
than to be some of these egghead people today who could laugh at the old early Wesleyans because of their holy ruling and their tears and their agonies and their cryings and their shoutings, but they haven't the, an ounce of spiritual power about them. Man, those old early Methodists and Salvation Army people used to be crying, Lord, baptize us with fire. I believe in that kind of praying. Oh, I know that there are people whose theology is so refined that they say, Oh, we don't pray now to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Well, it's about time we did then. Baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The church of Jesus Christ is never meant to function as a cold, dead, powerless thing. It's not how Christ meant it to function. There is to be in her the ministry of the living spirit characterized by fire. Now I want to tell you when fire is present, there are some people who are going to get burned. You can't get fire without getting burned. There are some people and they find that there's a lot of dross and a lot of the stubble of the world, a lot of the chaff of disobedience that needs to be burned up in their lives. I would say that it's time for us to pray, Lord, send the fire. That mighty purifying fire that will burn up the stubble and the dross in my life. Where there's fire, there's warmth. God knows in this day of external. When we simply say and do the right things and look good, there is a, a, a mighty necessity for the heart-warming influence of the Holy Ghost. When the Lord Jesus spoke after his resurrection to those on the road to Emmaus, did they not say, did not our hearts burn within us? There's the potency of the Spirit. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. Music